Welcome to the Multifamily Five, where industry experts provide raw information about how they are achieving success in the current market conditions. And now, your host, Dallas-based real estate broker, Mark Allen. And welcome to the Multifamily Five. It's your host, Mark Allen. And today I have Rod Cleef with Cree Capital. Rod, how's it going? Good, buddy. Good. Looking forward to this. Yeah. Uh, it's been some time. We were just talking about it, catching up, and uh, Rod and I, I guess, first met, um, although he's been in the business a very long time. We met at an NMHC event, um, the National Multi-Housing Conference in San Diego in 2000, I believe 2019. So Rod's yep. good to connect again. And yeah, likewise, likewise. I know you've been really active, doing a lot of different things. So if you want to give the listeners a little bit about your background, um, in history, specific, you know, whether it's business, real estate, whatever the case may be, but we'd love to learn a little bit more about you. Sure, sure. Well, I've got kind of a sordid past, <laughs> for lack of a better word. I'm an immigrant. I immigrated to this country when I was uh, six years old with my uh, brother Albert, my mother's Vancha. I was born in the Netherlands, you know, wooden shoes and windmills, and and uh, we uh, we uh, ended up in Denver, Colorado. Um, really struggled growing up. Uh, I remember, you know, drinking powdered milk because it was cheaper than real milk with our cereal in the morning and eating expired food because that's all we could afford. They, there was an expired food store, believe it or not. And, um, you know, really struggling. I wore clothes from the Goodwill and the Salvation Army all the way through junior high school till I finally, you know, got disgusted and, uh, lied about my age at Burger King when I was 14 because I was tall so I could get a job flipping burgers and, and buy my own clothes. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, you've got listeners that may have started out harder than we did, but, uh, you know, I knew I wanted more. And luckily my mom had an incredible work ethic. So she babysat kids so we'd have enough money to eat. And with her babysitting money, she was a bit of an entrepreneur and she invested in the stock market successfully. She did IPOs with no formal training and she also invested in real estate. And her first real estate acquisition was a house right across the street from us that she bought when I was about 14. And for about 30000 and she told me three years later when I was 17 that she'd made $20,000 in her sleep that had gone up in value $20,000. i am like, what? You made 20000 This is back when 20000 was a lot of money. This mm-hmm. is 44, 44 years ago, uh, 45 years ago. And, and I said, forget college. I'm getting into real estate. So I went out and became a real estate broker right when I turned 18. You could do that with education back then. You know, I wasn't just a salesman. I was a broker. I could have my own office. They got smart. Now you need some experience before you can be a broker, but you could do it back then with education. And so I, I was still living at home. And my first year in real estate, I made about $8,000. My second year, about $10,000. But my third year, I made over $100,000, which back in 1980 was some pretty decent change. And so what, so people ask you, ask me what happened between your two and your three. Well, what happened was I met a man. I was, I was a broker. I was actually working for, I was dating his daughter. I was smart enough to know I needed to work with somebody else. And, and, um, and he taught me about the importance of mindset and psychology and how really truly 80 to 90% of your success in anything is just that your mindset and psychology only 10 to 20% is the mechanical information we talk about on our podcast here. But, but, uh, you know, um, uh, fast forward to today, I've owned over, you know, 2000 houses that I rented long term. I own thousands of, uh, of, uh, apartment units, um, and quite, f- quite a few in your backyard. And, uh, and in 2000, uh, let's see, 2006, my net worth went up $17 million while I slept. And you might say, wow. And I said, wow. And I thought I was a freaking real estate god. I could barely fit my head through a door. And, you know how that when that happens, God or the universe will give you a nice little smackdown. Well, that was 2008. I lost $50 million in 2008. I lost everything. I had 800 houses. I had multiple apartment complexes, and it just all imploded. And so, 
you know, I'm, I'm, if you listen to my podcast, it's called Lifetime Cash Flow Through Real Estate Investing. You hear me talk about, you know, mindset quite a bit because that's how I was able to recover from losing $50 million. I mean, people killed themselves back then and then also in the Great Depression for losing the same proportionately. And so, uh, so yeah, that's my story. I'm, I'm, I'm now a, um, a thought leader in the space. I, 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 uh, have a very large podcast. We're over 14 million downloads and it's focused on multifamily like yours. And, um, and, and I've got, I don't know, about 1200 students around the country. I do live events. In fact, I've got a, a virtual boot camp coming up here in, in a week and a half on October 15th and 16th. This is probably air after that, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I had 850 people in Denver at one of my live events, um, gosh, uh, two months ago, three months ago. Um, and, um, you know, my, I'm very proud of something. My students have, have now, they now own in excess of 90,000 units and I've only been teaching five years. So I'm wow. very, very proud of that. Um, but, uh, but anyway, that's my story. So I, I love this business. I love talking about it. Uh, and, uh, I really appreciate you having me on, Mark. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to go into a little bit about um, 2000, whenever it was, you know, I guess whenever you lost a lot of money overnight and you lost real uh-huh. estate, what, what did you do wrong? What was yeah, it? Sure. Was it sure. Good question. Location? Was it how you finance them? Good question. Really good question. And the people, you know, I'll, and I'll get haters when I tell my story on social saying, oh, you were over leveraged. No, I was at a 30% loan to value on the portfolio. 30 cents on the dollars, all I owed. So here's what I did wrong. So I had 800 houses. The problem was the 800 houses were two hours north of me, two hours south of me, and everywhere in between along the Gulf Coast of Florida. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with Florida. So Florida has no state income tax. So property taxes are higher, which impacts what? Cash flow, right? And and there, I had properties in wind and flood zones, which is kind of timely because we just got our butts kicked by Hurricane Ian. And, yeah, I was going to say, you still live there, right? Oh, yeah. I'm in Sarasota. We got we, uh, I have quite oh, a man. bit of damage. I was in the house when it came through. Luckily, my wife was in Atlanta, so she didn't get scared, but, uh, it was intense. I have videos that are really intense, but, but anyway, uh, my house is real solid. So I knew I was going to be okay. And I knew I wasn't going to be in a storm surge, but, but the point in that is because I had houses in wind and flood zones, you know, higher insurance, which impacts cash flow. Right. But what really killed me was if I had a maintenance request at one of my apartment complexes, everything's the same. So you can stockpile parts. You know, the plumbing parts are the same, appliances, HVAC, hot water heater, locks, window locks, door locks. So you can stockpile parts and like a maintenance guy can be in and out in an hour or two. Well, if I had to send them to one of my C-class houses, all my 800 houses were C-class. And as you know, if you're listening to this, this show, you're, you know, you know, there's A, B, C, and D class. D is the hood, and A is, of course, brand new stuff. Well, you know, C class properties are older. They have a lot more maintenance and they have a tougher demographic. And so I had lots of maintenance requests. And if I had to send someone to one of my houses, it might be an hour, hour and a half away. Maintenance guy gets there. He has to see what's wrong, has to go find a Home Depot or a Lowe's where we have an account. And what ended up taking an hour at one of my apartment complexes took all day at one of my 800 houses. And that really killed my cash flow. So that, that was the, that was the, the big, one of the big pieces. The second huge piece was I didn't pay attention to tenant demographics back then. If they had good credit, they, they paid a deposit, you know, um, n- n- no criminal record. Um, I let them rent. And, and, but what I discovered after the fact was I had tons of contractors living in my properties, uh, plumbers, electricians, drywallers, painters, roofers, which fell off a cliff in the end of 2008 and all of nine. So yeah. they didn't have work. And so it was like the perfect storm. And, 
And believe it or not, and this is crazy, by I think I don't know exactly when I'm bad with dates, but 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 you know, towards the end of the real bad part of the crash, my portfolio was absolutely it was actually upside down. It lost more than seventy percent, wow. which is just astounding. But uh, now I couldn't hold it together, and unfortunately, in my brilliance, I refinanced packages of houses and i and i cross collateralized apartment complexes to save you know 50 basis points or something thinking i was real smart so i lost everything i didn't just lose the houses but uh you know lesson learned uh and and so those are the lessons basically is is you know uh now my main focus is primarily cash flow cash flow is everything in fact i wrote a you know number one best selling book called how to create lifetime cash flow through multifamily properties and the subtitle is the new rules of real estate investing ie the new rule is focus on cash flow don't call me and tell me you can get this property for 3 million that sold for 5 million a year or two ago, tell you know, I want to know what the cash flow is because it's all about that. And I'm sure you agree, Mark. Yeah, but, no, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, so all right. So just in summary, it seemed like uh, the, the first part was the quality of the homes and maybe, you know, the second yeah. part was the quality of the area and uh, specifically maybe just the tenant demographic at the time. No, it was the tenant demographic and, and, and the need for lots of maintenance. And, um, you know, and I'm not going to say that, 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 I operated it, optimized the way I operated it. I was, you know, I went through a divorce and, and was kind of, you know, living through that, through all of that. So, you know, I probably didn't have my eye on the ball as much as I needed to when it all hit. And so, uh, you know, and, um, but you know, it's, it's funny. I call them seminars. That was a $50 million seminar. And (laughs) and I've, I've built 27 businesses. I was shocked when I counted this a couple of years ago that I've built 27 businesses so far in my career. Several were tens of millions of dollars. Most were spectacular flaming seminars. Okay. You know, we, we, we fail our way to success, Mark. You know, I, I, uh, I uh, I got to meet the billionaire owner of Spanx. You know, the women's undergarments holds everything together. Mm-hmm. Sarah Blakely, beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful human being. But uh, she started with five thousand dollars, and she was in Forbes a few months ago. She 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 got brought in some venture capital or sold part of it, and she's a billionaire now. But anyway, she told me that at a mastermind that we were at, that her dad used to ask her and her brother once a week, "What have you failed at this week?" And I thought, what an incredible question to ask your kids so they don't fear failure, you know? Um, but, uh, but anyway, I digress. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's good. I think I remember her from Shark Tank. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. A few episodes with her on there. Yeah. She's really cool. She's a cool lady. Yeah. I really like that question. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, my understanding is, it, I mean, today on the multifamily that, um, I guess your sponsor, co-sponsor, part of the general partnership team, mm-hmm. most of it's, you know, B-class housing and maybe, you know, would you, would you call it like B or better neighborhoods? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We, 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 if we buy a C-class asset, it's in a, it's in a B neighborhood and, and we, we, uh, uh, you know, and, and very often, well, not very often, but sometimes we're able to bring it up a class, uh, you know, take it, take a C. Well, if we buy a C, we, we, we always try to push it up into a B class by our, you know, our repositioning and the work that we do. And same with a B class asset. We've got an asset under contract right now in Nashville. It's actually closing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, 145 door, $33 million asset, you know, 60% loan to value, Freddie Mac debt, uh, long-term fixed rate. We were able to lock in at a decent rate. And, uh, um, um, why did I bring that up? Uh, oh, that's a B class asset that that will be an A, a asset when we're done. No question, it's a yeah. gorgeous, gorgeous asset. So, well, so, just thinking about it, I, I just wondered if there, 
I guess if you've pivoted your strategy at all, um, and it seemed like part of it was going, you know, more more so to to more economies of scale and multifamily. Well, at least well, so, so, no, no, actually, let me tell you what happened. And this is the reason I started my podcast. What I discovered was going through the crash. It was the single family that pulled me down. My multifamily did just fine. It would have survived easily. Yeah, it pulled back. I don't think about 11%, but I could have easily survived it if I hadn't cross collateralized it. And so I lost everything. But, but that was the, when I started my podcast, I, I, you know, I just wanted to, to add value and I would, I, I would just tell people, you know, for God's sakes, if you're going to buy and hold real estate, don't do single family, do multifamily. You know, I'm the poster child as an example for that. And, uh, and it's really funny. When I first started my podcast, I used to say, I'll, not, I'll never sell you anything. You know, I just want to add value, which was the truth. And, you know, and I knew that if I was going to get into, into commercial, more, more mo- commercial multifamily, that I have to raise money. And I thought, you know, it'd be easy. I hate asking for money. I thought it'd be easier with that. And of course it has been, but, but, you know, I used to say in early episodes, if you listen to early episodes, you'll hear me say, no, I'm never going to sell you anything. I just want to add value, which was the truth. And now I'm a liar because I've got, you know, courses, coaching and students all over the country, but I never intended to, I guess it's, you know, you want to make God laugh. You tell them your plans. And then, you know, I hit a million downloads. And I'm like, okay, knucklehead, you probably ought to do something with this now. And so I wrote the book and gave away 20,000 copies of the book before I had anything to sell again as well. And then finally it's like, okay, it's time to monetize this and do something with it. And I love it. I mean, I've got a, you can't see it, but I've got a wall behind me literally with hundreds of thank you cards tacked to it. The whole wall's covered. I've got tack board on there and, and, you know, and and so I get love, you know, from people whose lives have been changed almost on a daily basis, and it's a, it's a pretty incredible gift. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what's your sentiment right now? What are you communicating to your students? Well, I, I'm I'm really bearish. I got to be honest. Okay, I I really think we're headed for some pain in this country, and I think it's really actually going to come to light publicly. Um, here, um, once the, um, you know, once the midterms are over, I think there's a big, you know, there's a big political influence on the media. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think if, if, if parties change as it's expected, I think you're really going to see the doom and gloom come out. I mean, I, I did, I pulled some articles literally today because I'm doing a Facebook live, you know, about, you know, the stock markets, you know, uh, how bad it is and, and worst, worst year to date performance in 20 years and, you know, and, and hiring freezes and layoffs and, and big, big companies like Facebook and Google and, 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 uh, you know, lots of employers are cutting back and, and, you know, and I, and, but, the, you know, I, yes, I, I, I talk about all these things, but not from a doom and gloom standpoint, from an opportunity standpoint. I mean, you know, I, I think everything's going on sale. We already see, we're already seeing the multifamily space. I mean, we were, uh, you know, competing on a property here in Sarasota, a beautiful, beautiful asset for 44 million is what it, tr- you know, traded for right when the rates changed and we had come in at 38. That's the only way we could make it work. And, you know, the, of course that deal didn't go through. And a few weeks later we get a call. Hey, is that 38 still on the table? Like, <laughs> no, but, uh, but, uh, you know, so I mean, you know, prices have to adjust, uh, because of these interest rate increases and across, across every asset class and, yeah. and, and certainly multifamily as well. But I, I think there's going to be some carnage. I hate it, but I, I do believe there's going to be some, some carnage, i.e. opportunity. You know, I, we started chatting about this briefly before we started recording, but I think, you know, some of these people, the new, new operators that have not been through a contraction that, you know, that, that really don't know how to pay attention to their KPIs and their asset, you know, really not astute with the asset management component could have some problems. Operators that got bridge debt that didn't 
allocate for it, didn't plan for it. You know, we've got an asset right now we're negotiating in Texas. I don't want to say where, but, but it's a guy that's in a bridge debt and he's in trouble. And, and, um, so, you know, I think there's going to be some opportunity there. Um, and so, you know, we're in a lot of cash right now and, and, uh, you know, the deals are starting to come through this Nashville asset screaming deal. I mean, incredible returns, super conservative, even with a $19 million raise, we've got 145 units. The returns are fantastic. And we're starting to see some of that. Thank God. So, you know, yeah. I think things are going to open up and there's going to be more and more deals and, um, opportunity for the people that are positioned and have the ability to raise, you know, capital equity and debt. Yeah. So you're, you're bearish, but obviously you're closing on a property tomorrow. So you're still a believer. Bearish, in bearish and excited, bearish and excited. Let me yeah. just, let me put it like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it's easy, you know, it's easy for me to get sucked into a little fear as well. I'll be candid. It, you know, um, there's a, the investor sentiment is, you know, people are becoming fearful. Um, and even, you know, it was much easier to raise money, you know, six months ago sure. than it is now. And I'm sure you're hearing that as well. And yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we're even on this Nashville asset. We got to do some post-close raising, which just astounds me because it's such a screaming deal, but we're going to have to do some post-close raising. It is what it is. Um, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I do believe, you know, there are opportunities already and certainly the properties are trading, but I think even more opportunity is coming. And, and, and like I said, I think it, what the only, you know, the, the issue is going to be, I think publicly perception is going to shift after the midterms. Cause I think the media is going to really unleash, um, you know, negativity. Um, they mm-hmm. already do that. That's how they survive, but I think it's really mm-hmm. going to come off the rails then. And, and so, you know, it's going to be really important for investors not to get scared. And even myself, based on what happened to me, you know, it's easy for me to get a little concerned. Um, because I'm dragging around this big bag of memory from 2008 and nine. But, um, you know, if, 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 if you can, you know, preframe your investors to understand that, yeah, it may be a little scary, but, but with that comes incredible opportunity, then you'll be able to capitalize on what's coming. And, and I really believe, um, you know, uh, you know, like Warren Buffett's famous quote, be fearful when others are greedy. Mm-hmm. I think there's been some greed the last few years, but be greedy when others are fearful. And I think fear is coming. Yeah. So, you know, that's my position. Well, just with it being or becoming tough, I guess, to raise equity, are you looking at any outside equity partners? Like, you know, private like private equity? Or- yeah, we just started considering that and, and we're behind the eight ball. You know, I've got so many plates spinning with my thought leadership business. I've got a boot camp coming up. We've got 500 people already registered for that next weekend. And, and, uh, my student event is coming up here in four weeks for my warriors. Those are my coaching students. And I've got, you know, a few hundred showing up in Sarasota for that. That's in three weeks. And then I've got, a, I host a mastermind as well. It's called the multifamily boardroom and mm-hmm. pretty sure it's the largest of its type. Uh, we've got about 16 billion in assets in there and we meet three times a year and that's coming up in early November. So I'm up to my eyeballs, but yes, we need to go after, pre- uh, that's me, judge, uh, that's me, um, justifying why I haven't pursued pref equity yet because we need to. And, uh, and, uh, um, yeah, that, that's, that's, I believe going to be a component of our strategy moving forward for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been having a lot of discussions about it here internally because just like you said, you're at about whether it's Freddie or Fannie, I can't remember what you said right. on the Nashville asset, but you're at 60% loan to value plus you're right. going to have some rehab dollars. So, right. you know, you may two costs be, you know, in the high fifties or mid fifties. Right. Um, so we're seeing a lot of sponsors do the same. Whereas, you know, 
they could raise twenty twenty five million dollars you know six months ago fairly right. fairly uh, uh maybe it's more than six months ago now but fairly right. easy and uh, now are taking you know pref equity to you know kind of help with the raise um you right. know and do some of these lower leverage deals yeah well that that's what it's going to take i'm sure moving forward and you know like i say we this is the first we we have to post close raise a little bit here which i don't like but which is kind of astounding but i was in europe for 3 weeks and then we had this hurricane shut me i didn't have, literally got power yesterday so you know we've had a lot of hiccups uh, that have slowed me down from reaching out to investors but uh um, but you know, it's no big deal, but it is, it is, you know, the market is shifting. I went to a, an industry event that I keynoted in North Carolina with a bunch of big investors and, uh, uh, it was kind of cool. Shaq was there and Barbara Corcoran and Jocko Wilnick and, and, uh, and, but, but the, uh, that was the theme, uh, was the fact that, you know, raising equity is really the hurdle now is, 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 uh, um, you know, because investors are becoming fearful. So. Yeah. yeah. What What is your involvement in some of these deals as a sponsor? Just because, you know, it's like you've got, um, you know, you're like kind of the CEO of, of Rod Cleef and well, you've got the, co- the coaching, the consulting. So is it more so, I mean, with the students, it's, I, I mean, I really like that model because, you know, they're, they're kind of beating the pavement as far as finding right. deals and right. Right. You know, you're, you're able right. to be more of a strategic advisor and a key principal. Well, that, that, that's pretty much it. That's pretty yeah. much it. And, and, um, uh, you know, and of course I'm the mouthpiece as it relates to raising equity and, 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 you know, and we, and I'm training, you know, with, uh, over a thousand, people uh in this business and bring them to dallas yeah no no there's there's quite a bit of action there in dallas and i was just looking at our uh, you know we've got uh we've got three assets in dallas right now and and uh one in san antonio uh one in houston uh love i love we love texas absolutely love it i'd love a lot more uh, but uh you know there's only 24 hours in the day so yeah <laughs> but well- well, very good. What what are some what are some ways folks can reach out and learn more about I guess what you're up to, what you're doing as sure. far as if they wanted to become again, most of the audience is, you know, they're already they have some level of experience. Some some sure. don't, but sure. Um yeah, sure. I mean how how can they sharpen the saw, so to speak? By sure. Work? Well that's what I that's what I do. Okay. That's uh, you know, and, and I've had thousands of people attend my events, never had a complaint other than the breaks are too short or the room's too cold or the food sucked or something like that, but it's never about the content. You know, so I, I, I do virtual events and live events. If, if you go to, uh, I'll tell you what, go to rodslinks.com, rodspluralinks.com. There is a ton of free resources there. Books, free books. Um, whatever boot camp is on the horizon will be there. Um, and just a lot of free information and all my social media channels are there. So if you DM me, ever DM me a question, you'll get a very quick response. I'm incredibly responsive, but I've got a, ton of really good resources at that at that link rodslinks.com you know if you want to get want to get yourself you know really clear on your goals cuz i'm going to tell you focus is going to be really important if, if when things start getting a little ugly you know it's going to be really easy to get sucked into the negativity and i do a goal setting workshop every new year's day and there's one at the bottom of that of that link tree rods links and uh it uh 
it's about an hour and a half with a guy with I'm it's me guiding you. It's professionally done with a with a guide you can download and uh, you know because it's super important to stay focused on what you want, not what you don't want. And and you know what's sad, Mark, is people spend more time planning a birthday party than they do designing their lives. And you know doing this goal setting workshop is very very powerful. I'm not going to try to sell you anything, and it's very very impactful. Have your spouse do it if you've got kids over ten years old. Have them do it. Yeah. Very very powerful uh, to do that. And, uh, you know, you'd be very glad you did. Um, and, and, you know, to have your spouse do it and then compare notes, see if you're aligned, you know, see if, see if you're, you're headed the same direction. You, of course, you know, that's super important. So, yeah, well, very good. I know, uh, listeners can reach out and learn more at rodcleaf.com. That, that, um, yeah, nobody can spell my name. Yeah. You, th- that link is in Rod's links as well. By the way, let me just say this. If you text my name, Rod, if you're driving, you text Rod to seven two three four five. You'll get into my ecosystem. We'll send you a link, and 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 that'll be easier if you're driving because that's right. This is more audio than visual. So yeah, just text Rod to seven two three four five, and you'll get into my you know into my circle. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Appreciate All right, last it. thing: predictions. Yeah. I want to hear your prediction. I don't know how how close. I mean, it's not like I'm a bond guy or anything like that. Right. But, uh, I'm curious what you think. Where is Sofer going to be? June of next year, and where is the ten-year treasury oh, going to be? I I don't listen. I'm <laughs> I I if I if I knew that, I'd already be on the back of my three hundred foot yacht. Okay, I I'm, <laughs> I've got to tell you, I you know I I know it just dropped. Thank God, because we were you know shopping some deals, and I know it just dropped in the last few days. But you know, I I have no idea, honestly, Mark. I it it. It, so many things. I think the election is really going to play a big role in in what happens economically in this country. Yeah. Um, you know, are they going to keep printing money like it's free? You know, if that continues, I think you know, I already think we're headed for for some for some pain. You know, I, I the, yeah. Elon Musk is quoted as saying the crash is going to be much bigger than they say. Um, you know, who else was uh, some big name? Of course, Kiyosaki has been talking about it forever. Robert Kiyosaki, yes. <laughs> the author, rich dad, poor dad, you eventually got to be right. But, yeah. you know, um, you know, but even, even, um, people like, you know, Trump, of course, has said, love him or hate him. He said, he said it's going to be a, a very big crash. Um, and, uh, and even Warren Buffett, you know, is, is, is positioning himself for, for, for a downturn. So, you know, I, I, again, not so, I'm not trying to scare anybody listening. I'm, I'm trying to get you excited because because it really could be an incredible opportunity if if you're positioned and you take advantage of it and you don't get caught up in fear. So yeah, let me leave you. What, let me leave you with that. What's the t- what's the uh, the quote or the phrase? The harder the party or the harder you party, the worse the hangover or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's coming. The hangover's coming, and that's okay. You know, uh, uh, there's like I say, opportunity. With crisis comes opportunity, and and I really believe opportunity is coming. And you know, I've been wrong before. We'll see. I actually thought COVID was gonna was gonna be the catalyst, and uh, I did a I did a YouTube video is the coming crash of twenty 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 twenty, and I got so much hate. But of course, the most viewed video I ever did because people <laughs> love negative news. But yeah. you know, I got so much hate. You idiot. You know, you know. And and I was wrong, of course. But uh, but I actually I actually really believe we're we're gonna have some some reckoning here. I don't think it's going to be catastrophic, but I think there's going to be some reckoning. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, like you, I, you know, I, I tend to be bearish as well. Maybe it's just some of the, the you know, news or, or you know, articles mm-hmm. that I read. Um, but, you know, I'm also very long Texas. I'm long multifamily. Oh yeah. I think the fundamentals here, I, although they could shift if we get into a deeper recession, but the fundamentals are completely different than they were, you know, in 2007, 2008. 
um, at least talking to the to the folks that have been around a long time here in Texas. Yeah. Oh, they definitely are. They definitely are. Uh, you know, and and but but like I said, I do think there are definite areas in the mark, uh, you know, in our world that are going to be impacted, i.e. bridge debt, you know, yeah. um, particularly if the, if if the rates don't come back down. And, you know, I don't believe these all these rate things the Fed are doing are going to impact things as greatly as they hope. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm Like I say, I'm wrong all the time. My kids love to say, are you tired of being wrong? But we'll see, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know just with the United Nations pressure on, uh, you know, that Fed had the closed door meeting this week. I'm hopeful like, hey, maybe we don't see much of a rate hike in November. Or maybe not, none at all. Well, they- maybe they start to pivot with some of these cracks starting to show. And we'll wow. see. You know, they, they last thing I read was another 150 basis points. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. Well, yeah. very good, Rod. Hey, thanks so much for the time. It was good reconnecting. And yeah, uh, likewise, buddy. I I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. It's been it's been a little more mentally stimulating than most interviews I'm on. So I appreciate it. Yeah, and hopefully I see you at some kind of event soon. Maybe you're yeah, on. Yeah, we'll be we'll be at NMHC for sure. Um, yeah, we'll, we're we're definitely going to that one. Uh, and there's in another Vegas. One. It's in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, sure. Vegas. So that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, that will be fun. Well, awesome. Thanks again for the time, Rod. All right, all right, buddy. Take care. See you.